You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting remotely for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Noel Hureski-Schneider. This is the WFHB Local News for Wednesday, September 15th, 2021. Later in the program, the Bloomington City Council will take a final vote on annexation tonight at 6.30 p.m. during a special session. WFHB News spoke with Monroe County Residents Against Annexation member Margaret Clemens about her hopes and expectations ahead of tonight's meeting. Also, coming up in the next half hour, zero-day hacks and StubHub refunds on Better Beware, your weekly consumer watchdog segment with Richard Fish. More at the bottom half of tonight's program. But first, your environmental news brief. From WFHB, this is your environmental news brief for Wednesday, September 15th. I'm Nathaniel Weinzaffel. Over this past summer, a mysterious and unknown illness was affecting songbirds throughout Indiana. This illness causes neurological symptoms that result in widespread sickness and death among the bird populations. The Indiana Department of Natural Resources is still investigating the illness, but has now lifted the moratorium on bird feeders throughout the state. The department recommends that before setting up your bird feeder, check to make sure there are not any sick or dead birds in your yard as well as to thoroughly clean the bird feeder at least once per week. Last week, Sunrise Bloomington, a subset of the Sunrise Movement, held a meeting announcing the launch of their Disclose, Divest, Reinvest campaign. The goal of the campaign is to call on Indiana University to shift away from the use of fossil fuels in favor of more sustainable and environmentally friendly energy. The concerns derive from the recent wildfires and flooding in multiple states that many have attributed to climate change. The group believes that it is important for IU to make investments in clean energy despite the cost in order to have a sustainable planet for future generations. Meteorologists with the National Weather Service have recently responded to Hoosiers who are questioning why the sun is looking a lot more red than usual. Due to the smoke particles coming from the wildfires in the western United States, there is a smoke layer in the sky that is filtering the sun's rays. These smoke particles scatter the light in the sky which impacts the wavelength and causes the sun to appear red. This occurs under certain conditions, such as when the air flows precisely from the west coast to the midwest. While this is an interesting phenomenon, it is important to understand that it negatively affects air quality in our state. That's all for your environmental news brief. For WFHB, I'm Nathaniel Weinsapple. The Ellettsville Town Council approved amendments to the zoning map on 3,888 West State Road 46, Bloomington, Indiana. The council initially motioned to table the vote until more council members could be in attendance. However, since it had been tabled for the same reason multiple times, the council agreed to move ahead on the ordinance to ensure it was heard before the 90-day deadline. There was a significant amount of public comment surrounding the issue. 
Residents in the area expressed concern that the new multiple-unit development would oversaturate traffic and lead to more accidents. Member of the community, Linda Summers, spoke on behalf of her neighborhood to share why she did not want the council to approve the zoning amendment. I am so frustrated that you are talking about the number of parking spaces and we are concerned about people's lives. This is just so irritating. I, I don't want to take up my whole three minutes on, on being on, on saying talking about this. So I'm going to go ahead with what I was going to say. Uh, I collected 50 signatures from my neighbors in Spring Valley a few weeks ago. No one I spoke with had concerns about single family or garden homes in Ellis Ridge, but all of them requested that you vote no on the proposed apartments. This is all we ask. We're not talking about countertops or whatever you guys are interested in. Town council members are elected to represent the people. And I don't see that. And we have been loud and clear about our concerns. Show us that you are listening. Communities thrive on the basis of caring for each other. And that's what we are doing as neighbors. Everyone is concerned about the dangers of more traffic on Ashbrook, Deer Park, and State Road 46. Neighbors told me about car accidents or near car accidents while pulling out onto 46 from Deer Park or even getting in and out their driveways. According to your numbers, apartments would double the traffic in our neighborhood to over 2,000 vehicles per day. That prospect is scary. What, what if you found out that the traffic in front of your house was going to double. Think about how that would affect your safety of your life and your families. Getting in and out of your driveway, the children playing, walking, pets, the noise and possible accidents and injuries are even worse a death. I spoke to a 93 year old woman who still drives. She told me she arranges her appointments around the traffic and many times turns on 46 then turns around in McDonald's to head to Bloomington because it's easier. And who cares about a dog park or where the grill's gonna be? Other concerns, lack of sidewalks, water runoff. Will it be running off down to 46 or Ashbrook? Sewage volume and narrow streets. Similarly, community member Megan Pease urged the council to vote no on the zoning plan. She explained why she believes the community has nothing to gain from the complex being developed. But honestly, I want to go down this route of idealism and what we envision. And honestly, we live here and you all live in our community and our town. And so what I want to ask is, how do you envision your way of life? How do you envision your neighborhoods? And what do you want your neighborhood to look like? And what kind of neighborhood do you want to live in? Well, all of us here are talking about it. All of us here have described what kind of neighborhood we want to live in. We've addressed safety. We've addressed the transitional nature of the individuals that apartments attract. We have talked about high density. We have talked about so many things. And one thing that we're forgetting as well is people are moving into Bloomington, from Bloomington to here because we want to know our neighbors. We want to have a neighborhood. We want family living. Now, could you imagine, think about your neighborhood and where you live and your community and why you live in Ellettsville. Do you see a major apartment complex moving next door to you? 
we never envisioned that when we moved to this neighborhood. And now you're putting us into a position where you are challenging our way of life. You're challenging our quality of life. And that's not fair. We are not feeling heard. You're not representing us. And it keeps going and going and going. The Ridge Group Chief Operating Officer, Tyler Ridge, explained that since the zoning at the site was marked as a C3 zone, they could go ahead with the apartments or somebody else could come along with a larger project. Ellettsville resident Brian Thomas commented on the poor zoning in the area. Um, while I understand the front lots are commercial, um, and, and that makes sense up by the highway, uh, the rest of the property is surrounded by single-family homes, and we already see Mr. Blackwell putting in single-family in the back of the additions, and, and that makes perfect sense to me. You know, at each of these meetings, I, I see the discussion's been around apartments or no apartments. And I think there's more to it than that. Um, you know, one point is that the Ridge Group even said earlier on, and I think it was their community meeting with us, that commercial over or apartments over commercial wouldn't work for them. That just shows that it's not a great place for businesses to go into or apartments. I have to think that's because of traffic and, and based on the comments about Hoosier Hills choosing their site last time, um, I think that really shows that, that this is not a good place to get in and out of already. And this is going to make it worse. Um, you know, I would ask the council to vote no on the measure. Um, I hope all is well with Ms. Ms. Samples and Mr. Ellis's family. But I am disappointed that the topic wasn't pushed um, out a little bit further for a full vote. Um, as far as the additional parking, you know, I, I appreciate that Dan's trying to work with the developer and, and see what we can do. But really, more pro or more parking or more yeah, you know, parking means more traffic, and that's really all it comes down to. Um, the developer is going to say or do whatever um, he wants to try to get things pushed through. But you know, I had my grandfather always say, "You can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig." Councilmember Dan Swafford conveyed reluctance and said he sympathized with the residents. This exact situation happened to me. Um, I b bought a house down here on Capitol Avenue, and it wasn't six months later. They built apartments all around it. Our traffic probably 10 times the amount and not double. There, there were only five houses here. And so the traffic was increased at least tenfold. Um, it is very difficult to get out on the highway because I have to do it every day, at least three times a day. Um, I do know that I have talked to other builders, and because this is C3, this might be the better solution than what could be coming up. Now, I'm not saying it would or wouldn't, but they could come in there with apartments during the whole thing because it's zone C3. So if they go commercial underneath, they could go more apartments above and so on and so forth. And, you know, I just want to reiterate the fact I do appreciate you guys. I guess, you know, your house is there. You built on or you built your or you bought your house next to a dead end area. Something is going to go into that that field there. The council voted to approve the zoning for the multi-unit housing three to zero. The Bloomington City Council will take a final vote on annexation tonight. Over the course of the last five years, the city of Bloomington has faced a legal battle to add nearly 10,000 acres of Monroe County territory into its city limits. There are seven areas in the proposed annexation map. However, the city dropped area seven, 
the northernmost district, from its annexation plan. Furthermore, Area 2 on the southeast corner of the proposed maps saw the removal of a considerable chunk of land. In an interview with WFHB last month, Mayor John Hamilton explained why he supports annexation. So having a strong Bloomington is really important to the success of our whole region. Um, Now, to have a strong Bloomington, uh, through history, cities need to keep growing as as their density increases, as they have neighborhoods that grow around them. Uh, if a city does not grow to expand those neighborhoods and include those neighborhoods into the city, you can end up with kind of an unhealthy dynamic of a core city uh, that that has that provides all the services and the parks and the roads and such. But you have a bunch of neighborhoods around it that uh, don't formally contribute to it and aren't part of it. And you can have political dynamics. It's just important for the city to thrive and for the city to thrive. Its boundaries need to keep changing to reflect who's living in and around the city of Bloomington. Several weeks ago, concerned Monroe County resident Susan Brackney spoke over the phone with WFHB News. Brackney went door to door talking with county residents about annexation. She described some of the commonalities she heard among residents' concerns. They they said my property taxes have already gone up, and and this time if they go up this much, I'm not going to be able to stay. There are folks who are already have a for sale by owner sign in the front yard because they're so beaten down and they're just sure it's a done deal, and that's heartbreaking because they've you know lived lived here for multiple decades and had prepared to live here till the end. They've built a nice place for themselves and they don't have much, but they've worked hard for what they do have. And now they're just maybe going to be uprooted. I think folks feel like the city is trying to shake us off like fleas off of a dog. The land that that we happen to be occupying is worth a whole lot more without us here. So it might be that that might be a, a happy accident or maybe not such an accident to push enough people off that this can become what everything else is. Brackney discussed how she hopes the county will reach 65% remonstrance if the city council decides to adopt any areas of annexation. Let's say that, first of all, the city council has to vote on these ordinances. I hope that they will stop and think and vote no where appropriate. Certainly vote no on on zone four and listen to what these citizens want in their different areas. Let's say they vote for it anyway. Let's say they vote yes. We do have legal recourse. Uh, We can sign remonstrance petitions. And if 65% of people in each area sign them, then by law, as I understand it, it's it's void. And I think it's something like 51%. If 51% of them sign, then I think it goes to a judge to consider. It isn't a done deal. And the people do have a, an opportunity to express their, their wishes. The city council meeting takes place tonight at 6.30 p.m. over Zoom. Details for the special session will be available at WFHB.org following this broadcast.
WFHB News spoke on the phone earlier this afternoon with Margaret Clements, member of the Monroe County Residents Against Annexation, about her hopes and expectations ahead of tonight's meeting. We turn to News Director Kate Young for that interview. So, Margaret, um, what are some of your hopes and expectations for tonight's city council meeting? Well, I would like for the uh, elected officials of the Bloomington City Council to listen to the constituents, both in the city and those that they hope to annex. The people overwhelmingly are opposed to this annexation, whether they live in the city, in the areas to be annexed, or in the areas beyond the annexation areas. Uh, we would like the city council to stop it, to stop this annexation effort, to save the hostility um, between the city and the county and help, through their leadership, help the county and the city to heal. We have a long tradition and a strong tradition of cooperation and collaboration and unity, and uh, this divisive action is harming uh, what is most beautiful about Bloomington. Now, um, walk me through the remonstration process and what you're hoping to achieve with remonstration. Okay, well, we are still finding out the details of the remonstration process, and it's going to be very stringent. Um, uh, the auditor can only release the remonstration petitions after City Council adopts the annexation ordinance. And... Uh, uh, and those remonstration petitions are, in effect, sworn affidavits by each signatory or collector of signatures in the annexation areas. If we achieve, and this is our goal and we think we can do it because we've done it with our petition drive, if we achieve 65% in any annexation areas of the property owners without waivers, valid waivers, then uh, the, the annexation effort is defeated. And if we achieve 51%, it goes to court, and the court decides whether or not the city of Bloomington met its due diligence as far as its urbanizing uh, requirements, its density requirements, its uh, economic development aspirations, and uh, as well as uh, their due diligence as far as other items are required by law to achieve. Absolutely. I really appreciate you you touching on that and walking our listeners through the complexity of that. Next up, I just wanted to, to ask you, you know, just for our listeners' sake, all in all, would you summarize why you're against annexation of almost 10,000 acres of Monroe County land? Um, well, first and foremost, um, there's so many reasons. But uh, first and foremost, this has been an aggressive and uncooperative effort. Uh, you know, people who live in the county have hopes and dreams for their community, just like those who live in the city hold hopes and dreams for the community. Bloomington has a strong tradition of evolving both goals in a united way. Um, under the current leadership and the current administration, it's been very unilateral, very hostile, very aggressive. And, uh, and it's not the manner to which we've become accustomed or should become accustomed. Um, the police officers themselves are saying that they 
do not have uh, the personnel and uh, to cover the needs of the the safety needs of the city, and they would be challenged and harmed uh, should they uh, should their territory be increased in size. Rather than place the safety of the city residents and the county residents at risk and into question. It's better if we leave things the way we are. they are until we know what we're doing. So uh, then finally, I'm really concerned, really concerned. With all the talk about affordable housing that uh, we've been enduring through this city council and through this uh, city administration about all of their goals for affordable housing, I find it hypocritical that they would, they would put at risk the homes, the very homes that people elderly people especially, who are living on fixed income, where, that they can afford, that they would in, endure a tax increase that would place their housing at risk. So I find it uh, problematic on so many levels. I, I just uh, would like to speak, I guess, for hours about that. And those hours need to be taken, maybe weeks need to be taken to con- consider how the county and the city should grow together. Thank you for that response. Now, Margaret, are there any concluding thoughts um, you would like to add before we part ways? Yes. uh, In this petition drive that uh, County Residents Against Annexation have been leading throughout the annexation areas, 1A, 1B, 1C, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 7, We've achieved 65% of the signatures in uh, some of the annexation areas. We've achieved over 51%, over 60% in other areas. And we have every confidence that if this annexation ordinance is approved, uh, that we will defeat it. So uh, we would just like to save the community more aggravation, more division, and, and go forward together and heal together with a more shared uh, vision of what our community could or should be. Well, Margaret Clemens, member of the Monroe County Residents Against Annexation, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It's a pleasure to talk with you. Up next, zero-day hacks and StubHub refunds on Better Beware, your consumer weekly watchdog segment on WFHB. Zero-day hacks are on the rise, and here's what that means and how to protect yourself. Also, online ticket seller StubHub has now been forced to issue full refunds for events to people who bought tickets before March 25th, 2020. We turn to our host, Richard Fish, for more. Beware. Here's your consumer watchdog from WFHB Community Radio with the latest information and helpful hints designed to keep your head out of the clouds, your feet on the ground, and your money in your pocket.
I always seem to be bringing you bad news, but when it comes to the war between hackers and security people on the Internet, you and I are underdogs. And hey, I knew the job was dangerous when I took it. This week, the bad news is that zero-day hacks are on the rise. A zero-day hack is some way some evil person has discovered to get into your computer, or especially your smartphone, and when it's discovered, it's already being used so that security people have zero days to come up with a fix. They do that, though, and send out an emergency update for the operating system on your computer or on your smartphone, or for a program or an app you may be using. Just this week, researchers discovered a big one. Apple computers and iPhones can be hacked by someone sending you a fake GIF in Apple's iMessage function. GIFs are pictures, and the fake may or may not show up as a picture, but just receiving it can put you at risk. Apple has issued an emergency software patch already. These backdoors and software vulnerabilities exist because most of the programs and operating systems we all use were designed with functionality in mind, and security was a whole lot lower priority for the coders. Now that's changing, but by far, most of the programs, apps, and operating systems we all use were created before hacking became such a huge industry and such a dangerous problem. So anytime you get an update on anything, and are sure it really comes from the people who make your computer, your smartphone, your tablet, or whatever, grab that update immediately. You can usually set your digital devices and programs to accept and run updates automatically, or at the very least, to notify you instantly when one becomes available. But now there's a bit of good news on another subject. Have you ever bought tickets for a concert or sports event from a company called StubHub? StubHub is an online box office service, like Ticketmaster and a number of others. StubHub had a Fan Protect guarantee, which promised a full refund if an event was canceled. Well, thanks to COVID-19, there were a huge number of events that got canceled last year, and StubHub reneged on their guaranteed refund offer. Instead, they only promised credit against future ticket purchases. Okay, ten states, including Indiana and the District of Columbia, took StubHub to court, and just recently they finally forced StubHub to back down. If you bought tickets for anything from StubHub before March 25, 2020, and the event was canceled, you can now get a full refund. Almost 7,000 Hoosiers are eligible, and if you or someone you know is one of them, get in touch with StubHub or the Indiana Attorney General's office to find out how to collect your money. I'm Richard Fish for WFHB News and Public Affairs. Better Beware comes to you from WFHB Bloomington, Indiana. Find all our episodes at WFHB.org. If you can help put the kibosh on a con, email beware at WFHB.org. Remember, swindlers never give a sucker an even break. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Nathaniel Weinzapfel, Cade Young, and Noel Herhusky Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Cade Young. Better Beware is produced by Richard Fish. 
Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Kate Young. For WFHB, I'm Noelle Hareski-Schneider. And I'm Benedict Jones. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at WFHB.org. You can be a part of our award-winning news team. For more information about joining our volunteer team of citizen journalists, email news at WFHB.org. Stay tuned for Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature, coming up next on WFHB. Listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB Local News Volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB Local News Archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB Local News. We are local, longer, 